My name is Eric Hundley, and this is Unstructured, where we have dynamic and formal conversations with some amazing people. Today, I'm joined by Tom King of TomKing.com, and that's Tom with an H. Yeah, T-H-O-M-K-I-N-G. And he also runs both a website and company and product line, all called Guy Gone Keto. Or, mm-hmm. Yep, Guy Gone Keto. Mm-hmm. And since it's about a keto diet and heavy on nutrition, I'm not the brightest candle on the cake, so I brought reinforcements Good. with Ginny like Aguilar. Ginny's been a, a previous guest on the show. Mm-hmm. And she is very big in nutrition and especially Great. in anything dealing with the brain. Oh, fantastic. So how are you guys doing today? Very Terrific. good. Yeah. Now I'm Excellent. super excited for this. Okay, good. Good. But I'm, I'm going to go off course right away because good. your background has you with a BA environmental studies. Oh. That's Tom. Yes. And then you went to study intellectual property law. That's correct. That's an odd combination. Um, it is. It is, and that I I guess that would make me sort of a dork because I it, I just sort of gravitate towards things that I'm interested in. And uh, yeah, I, when I was younger, I was interested in the environment and global warming, and I mean, I'm still obviously interested in that because I mean, it affects us. Um, but, uh, I got into the entertainment industry. I moved to, to LA and wanted to pursue, uh, pursue a, uh, a career in filmmaking. So part of that was, you know, learning intellectual property, like licensing music for film and, and television. So that is, uh, that's how I got into intellectual property law. Now you made a couple of films, right? I, d- <laughs> I did, I did, um, and one of them was called, these are great questions. I've never had these questions asked to me before. And, uh, I mean, I've had some interesting, I've definitely had some interesting questions posed to me, but these are like, wow, you, you guys really dug into my past. So yes, I did make a couple films. One of them was called Heaven's Gate the day after, um, won the, the Margaret Mead, uh, film festival award for best documentary. Was that about the the disaster of a film? Not disaster film, but the disaster of a film. No. You mean the original Heaven's Gate? Yeah. I get that a lot. No, this was about the Heaven's Gate cult. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, Really? Yeah. So I, I, I did a, a, produced a documentary about the Heaven's Gate cult. And wow, this is like probably 90, 96. Um, it was either 95 or 96. And so, uh, uh, a gentleman that I ran into who was a producer for, uh, E True Hollywood Stories. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, uh, he had gone to the University of Idaho and had run mm. into the Heaven's Gate cult and started following him around. And we connected in LA and he's like, Hey, I've been following this cult and they're, living in uh, Rancho Rancho Santa Fe, Rancho Santa Fe, just outside of San Diego. Um, and they're building websites. And I was going to say, yeah, they were all programmers and website creators and not the type you would yeah. imagine drinking the Kool-Aid, so to speak. 
No, but they were all sort of searchers. Like I have, I mean, I still have all of the footage from the original class, classroom uh, settings. So we we got involved with the, you know, we started researching the cult. And they, I mean, they were, they were open to, you know, to talking about it, um, you know, and we were, you know, in the process of, of creating this documentary and we received a, a FedEx package and it had all the classrooms, all the audios and videos and everything else, um, along with a note that, uh, let us know that they had, um, uh, that they had committed suicide in an attempt to get onto a spacecraft that was behind the, um, the Hale-Bopp comet. So, wow. So they took the time to ship this to you and said, Oh, and by the way, yeah, they shipped like three, three packages to three different people. So that things got a little weird after that because everybody was clamoring for, for that footage because it was newsworthy and people were like, Oh my God, these people committed suicide. And it, our approach was a little different. I mean, we knew these people and, you know, I was really yeah. shocked by it. And some of the people that were left behind that weren't, you know, that didn't, uh, that didn't that commit suicide that day. Um, we continued to, to stay in touch with them. And that's how we finished up the documentary, like interviewing them on how they felt, you know, about being left behind. And subsequently, uh, I think two of the three people that we interviewed ended up doing the same thing, committing suicide and, really? you know, wanting to join their, um, you know, wanted to join their, you know, their fellow, uh, cult members. So it was a, it was a very trippy experience for me. And I mean, um, you know, I, I, I grew up, um, you know, in, in a fairly religious household. My mom was actually mm. part of a cult. So all of these things weaved together and it was like, uh, it, it really, you know, I, I gained a deep sort of awareness to that cult mentality and how people sure. can be pulled into those things. And I, <laughs> I've never talked about this on a podcast before. I've never had anybody even ask me about it. And, and so that's, yeah, that's, that's. Is the film out there? Yeah, it is. It's actually on Netflix. So, and, you know, I still occasionally get a royalty check from it, but it's, I'm not sure how popular it is because a lot of people, when you bring up Heaven's Gate, the first thing that they do is bring up the film. I think Chris Christopherson was in it and it was just a hundred percent disaster, like known as one of the worst films ever. Right. Which is a weird coincidence. If you think about it, it's a weird coincidence. Both are disasters and horrible. Uh, that's true. And I've had people tell me that my film was a disaster. So, <laughs> Oh, good Lord. What is it, the name of it? So we can look it up. It's called Heaven's Gate the Day After. Okay. Yeah. I'm just, that's, it's so funny. Like I've, I, I've, I rarely ever talk about it because I don't know. It's not, it's not really uh, relative to what I'm doing now, but it, it's definitely a testament to sort of all over the road, you know, where yeah, but I've it, been. It's like, a, it's a, it's kind of a path though, because, I would argue that some diets have an, and um, exercise groups have a cultish quality to them as well. Um, I would agree with you 100%. I probably vegans, you know. No, oh, and I, paleo, the opposite ends. Yeah, paleo coin. and maybe even keto sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I find myself being pretty comfortable in sort of the keto group, but um, you know, I've had people attack me on social media. Um, you know, that, you know, that are vegans that, you know, believe that I'm destroying the planet somehow. Sure. Um, but I mean, that's one of the misnomers about, um, about, you know, the ketogenic lifestyle is that it's just, um, 
bacon and and cheese. So well, technically, vegan could be considered keto, except for the carbs, right? Yeah, uh, there's a a lot of whole food agreement. I mean, I feel like there's some crossover. There's there's a little bit of crossover. So I'm not really good with a vegan diet. Like I've attempted uh, keto vegan, and I don't last very long on it because my options. Um, yeah, three my foods. options are out there because <laughs> it's nuts and it's avocado and it's oil, you know, and I mean, and I still eat, uh, I probably eat more vegetables now than I, you know, that I, than I ever have, because, you know, even though, um, the ketogenic diet is, is, uh, 70% fat, 20% protein and 10% carbs, that 10% carbs comes from, from cruciferous vegetables and and lettuces and and leafy greens like that. So and it takes a lot of them to get to the ten percent. It does. Like you can fill yourself up on kale uh, pretty easily. Um, you know, and the beauty of kale is it sticks in your teeth, and you can have some later if you want. Okay, that's All right. a beauty. Yes, I just said that. <laughs> Frame that as a beauty. <laughs> it's a beauty. Yes, I think it's really interesting that you did talk about the documentary you made and that's a really intense something to go through i mean um before we started recording um you know eric had mentioned matt fitzgerald who wrote diet cults so i think it's appropriate that that came up Hmm. and talking about people on this scale um when i talk about that i talk about people being tribalized into these Hmm. food beliefs Mm -hmm. um and i find it really fascinating why that seems to be so prevalent right now. Um, in our household, just so you know, we've used nutritional ketosis as an approach to healing brain injury. Oh, fabulous. Um, yeah. So I have four children. One of my children had multiple uh, brain injuries and that's oh. definitely been something we used as a, as a tool, um, in terms of, you know, for his healing, but I'm, I'm fascinated by, why people seem so tribalized and buy food and why right now? I think there's a corresponding situation with religion going down. Truthfully. I mean, you know, um, atheists to me are religion and well, they are, (laughs) you guys, this, this is, this is a deep rabbit hole and I mean, I love it. I mean, rabbit holes, rabbit holes are, are where I feel most comfortable. Um, but very, you know, sort of unexpected, like, you know, I, I agree with, with you, Jenny, that it's, there's a tribalism. Um, there's a tribalism behind sort of diet. And I, the only thing that I could probably, that, that comes up for me on that is social media. Like when you look at how people, mm-hmm. you know, when you look at how people are communicating nowadays, I mean, with social media and how easy it is to unfriend somebody and how shallow relationships are when they're just purely online and how easy it is to bully somebody through social media. When you look at how, you know, social media has affected, you know, I would say millennials, Gen Z and and probably even some Gen X people. um where do they go? Where do they go to feel like they're actually part of something or part of a movement, you know, and things have become so fragmented. And, you know, I know like for, you know, for my mom and my experience, you know, with her and in, in her, in her church and which church was that? She was in the, the worldwide church of God. Holy God. Yeah. So was so, mine. Oh, you're kidding me. 
No, you just totally I'm not. you just totally sent a chill up my spine because Herbert I, W. Armstrong. And you know the story behind that, right? And um, that his son ended up uh, um, Garner Ted or whatever. Yeah, his son uh, ended up uh, raping a, a, a flight attendant on their private jet, and now he's in prison. Oh, he's in prison now. Okay. And okay. there's this is crazy. I mean, I didn't expect <laughs> this to go this direction. Like I run. So into, did she convert to it, or was she always there? No, she converted to it. So when I so was how like, old were you? I was nine. These are I was I seven. You were seven, <laughs> and so you had Christmas taken away from you. And At Easter seven, and, yes. So yeah, you had uh, pork, okay. seafood, eating. Yeah, it was. Uh, wow, that's 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 cheers. Intense. Yeah, thank you. And yeah, that's. Uh, I don't run into that too often. I I ran into uh, I ran into a woman one time at a, a sushi bar and we struck up a conversation and and she seemed thoroughly messed up, you know. And I was like, "What happened?" And she's like, "Oh, my mom was in a cult." And I'm like, "Oh, which one?" And she's like, "Worldwide Church of God." And I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, yeah, we this is gonna be a deep conversation." So <laughs> it's uh, yeah. So I mean, then it's easy to understand that. Like I I think that my mom gravitated to, i can't believe this is coming out of my mouth i believe that my mom gravitated um to the worldwide church of god because my dad you know our our household was pretty chaotic and my dad was um mm-hmm. he was a hard man and mm-hmm. with some with some sort of misogyny and some you know some behavior you know issues and he's a 50s I, male yeah and at that point i think that what my mom needed to do is to find grounding and so I was, you know, uh, she was raised Catholic, you know, mm-hmm. I started out in Catholic school and yeah, when I was nine years old, she's like, no, you're not going here anymore. You're going to public school. And oh yeah. Uh, Christmas, Easter, pork chops, lobster, shrimp. <laughs> now, did it take with you though? I mean, I, honestly, I used to read Stephen King in the church. It No, it didn't take with me, but it did. Ugh. I was. I, I just wonder. I, I I was too, and I just wonder like what the repercussions of this of this podcast are going to be. It's it's great. I'm I'm all for it. So, um, it, you, so there you did was, read the name of the podcast, right? I yes, I did, and it's like I I should have known this was going to be an adventure. So there, I mean, you know the rules and stuff. Like you know, and I and growing up, I was nine years old. By the time I was twelve or thirteen years old, you know, I sort of discovered you know, my sexuality somewhat. And, you know, my mother explained to me that, you know, and shamed me about it. Like, you know, that it was some sort of a, uh, some sort of a bad thing. So, um, yeah, I did not, she basically told me if I did not, you know, get on board with, uh, worldwide church of God, if I didn't, you know, go to church with her and stuff that I was going not to die, but to forever burn in a lake of sulfur because death would just be mm. too, too, too easy on me. So, um, at that point, and I'd also, um, uh, uh, did she come back out of it later? She did come back out of it later, but you know, the thing is the sort of, I, I gave up on it. I was like, screw it. It's like, there's too many rules that, you know, that my body's not going to follow. Cause I'm like 12 or 13 years old. And it's like, right. you know how young men are like that. And so, you know, I was like, screw it. I'm going to choose, you know, well, pleasure, yeah, yeah. pleasure over, you know, over abiding by these, these rules that nobody can ever abide by. And, um, so I basically just gave up on it. I'm like, no, I'm not going to be a person of faith. Um, and that started sort of my, my path to, um, 
to being an atheist, um, which I mean, which I still struggle with. I struggle with being an atheist because that's you know, an overcorrection in some ways. So it, 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 I, it's it's hard. I, I I totally totally understand that. That's why I'm a firm agnostic. I mean, I don't even know where I fit in in that anymore. I just like I journal every day, and journaling is the only thing that keeps me grounded and keeps me sane. So, I journal, and I also, um, you know, read the the daily daily Stoic, and that's mm, how I start my Ryan day Holiday. with like, yep. I mean, it's it's the fourth year. The thing's getting tattered. It's full of notes and highlights and stuff like that. But it's like, but I journal, and this is like my process because it's like. About, I would say six months ago, um, I I just ran across the the Serenity Prayer, right? And mm. like, I I don't have any uh you know drug or alcohol uh, abuse issues. No, it's I, a brilliant, brilliant piece. Though. It is. It's amazing. And so I started like I started dissecting it, and it it folded into Stoicism. You know, oh, yeah. amazingly well. It's like, you know, it's like grant me the well, serenity to, you know, accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that, you know, that I can and the wisdom to know the difference between the two. And honestly, that's all a person needs to know. That is mm -hmm. life's that's life's user manual. <laughs> mm -hmm. that, and don't take anything personally. Right. And well, the Catholics and the Romans kind of, uh, <laughs> there yeah. was some, uh, some byplay in there. <laughs> there was, there was some wiggle room from their perspective, but, uh, now Jenny's uh, not off the hook yet either. Uh, good. she had some weirdness in her childhood, so let, she can sit there and be fascinated, but I was, um, I was raised in the transcendental meditation movement. Oh, so I'm familiar <laughs> with culty living. Awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm very familiar, Eric, and I have talked about that before. Um, hmm. See, I find it really interesting that that your mom was in that. A weird coincidence, Eric was also involved in that. And but that it was you the did, mom. A, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then that you did a documentary about a cult. That's which I think has bothered you in some ways because you definitely seem uncomfortable discussing it and is that what got you out of film is because the um i mean i i would have trouble with that if i put together a documentary about a bunch of people that i get to know and mm -hmm. say yeah okay they're a little bit weird but mm -hmm. they're nice people they don't mean any harm to anybody i like right. them i've eaten with them talked to them mm -hmm. and holy cow they're That's all really dead. heavy yeah i, had I, them, I would probably I had stop them, i had them staying in my house so wow. it's it, yeah am i uncomfortable talking about it i'm not i'm not at all i i mean i've been on 100 plus podcasts i think at this point and generally you know I, i've had a few a few podcasts where they're they ask me you know questions that are um sort of off the beaten path um but nobody has ever brought up you know nobody has ever mm -hmm. brought up my 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 you know past of, of being in the film industry and i i didn't exit out of the film industry um you know, okay. because this was so heavy for me. I mean, it was a heavy thing. I mean, life's got lots of heaviness to it. It also has a lot of joy. But um, the reason I got out of the film industry is because I wasn't good at it. And <laughs> I didn't see a clear pathway okay. to being able to uh, make a living and support myself. Um, and also living in, in L.A., and I'm sure that your audience members that are living in L.A. are going to hate this, but it felt like a real moral cesspool to me. 
Um, Jenny just moved from there. Yeah, I did. <laughs> just moved away from there. <laughs> so it felt like a it felt like a moral cesspool to me. And I grew up on a ranch in Colorado, so mm-hmm. you know, and going from there to to L.A., it just you know, it felt it felt super empty to me. And um, yeah, and then I ended up in Portland, Oregon, and I think it's a good fit. But um, yeah, it's it's just rare that somebody brings up things that don't revolve around keto or uh you know or or food ingredients or sweeteners or you know or food science and stuff like it it throws me off but it's it's so good i i'm profoundly grateful for you asking those questions sure well it's uh, don't get me wrong it's far more interesting <laughs> it is it's 10 times more interesting it's like keto it's like eat a bunch of fat and it's like but eat some veggies too that's that's keto right. and then you know as far as sweeteners go it's like well you know, sweeteners are su- sweeteners are sweet, and I think that's all you need to know is don't eat too much sugar. I do have something on the sweeteners, uh, and okay, I can't stand mm-hmm. stevia. Oh, every time I have yeah. something with stevia, mm-hmm. I get a an aftertaste like I just chewed on aluminum foil. Yeah, those are the off notes, and those are indicative of um, of stevia. So stevia is actually it's usually the extract like the white powder that that's used because that's 2 to 300 times sweeter than sugar and so it contains these these compounds called stevioglycosides and mm-hmm. they just inherently have off notes and I, some food manufacturers will will call in you know for me to to formulate something for them and they're like well let's just take out the sugar and drop in stevia and it's like, that's not how it works. I mean, there's, you have to use a combination of different sweetening compounds in order to mask those off notes. So I always suggest that somebody, you know, that if somebody's trying to formulate a food product using stevia, that they augment it with other sweeteners, you know, that can create more volume, that can mask some of those off notes. And, and oddly enough, if you, if you mix monk fruit, which is another high intensity sweetener, if you mix monk fruit with stevia, um, mm-hmm. they actually mask each other's off notes. So huh. that's okay. what I do. I do that that's, in my baking at home. Oh, that's perfect. I mean, pretty that's easy. what I do pretty much as a, I mean, that's my trade. So, you know, I'll formulate products for people, you know, using a combination of high intensity sweeteners and other sweetening compounds that I can get really, really close to mimicking sugar, you know, sensorially, um, you know, but it's, it's not going to affect blood sugar levels or, but you don't do, you don't have like a food chemistry background. This is something you've kind of pioneered. Um, it, it, yeah, I started work. I don't have a food chemistry, chemistry background, a traditional food chemistry background. Um, mostly it's been through classes and experience. So I've worked with high intensity sweeteners since 1999 and it was my side hustle then. And in 2008, when the, uh, when the FDA, you know, allowed stevia to be used as a as a food ingredient, I really, you know, I stepped up my game and and Is that recent? Uh, yeah, before that it had to be sold as a dietary supplement. So yeah, it used to be know. separated in the store away from mm-hmm. any food stuff. Yeah, and it was in mm-hmm. supplements, and you know, so um, yeah, I'm pretty much self taught, but it's just been, you know. It, I would say that I started just making things for myself because, you know, I didn't want to have, you know, processed sugar in my diet. And it just sort of expanded to, you know, people coming to me and asking me to formulate, you know, like soft drinks and then protein bars and, and cookies and frozen dessert. So, 
Um, so now you're like I, a home brewer, only with food. I would say that. I mean, and I'm also weirdly into fermentation. So if you went to my... Oh, <laughs> well, literally then. <laughs> oh, literally. Yeah. If you went to my house, if you went to my house, you would see, you know, I've got a kombucha that I am trying to, um, that I'm trying to teach and get it to adapt to allulose. Um, allulose is a, uh, is a new sort of a novel rare sugar that's uh, a product of fermentation. So I'm trying hmm. to train, like I trained some water, uh, water kefir grains to start metabolizing allulose. Um, yeah, and I've got another, um, 90 strain bacteria that I've got growing in my house that, uh, neutralizes ammonia that I want to try out in, in a cosmetic hmm. line. So it's mad science for me. <laughs> oh, I, I had a quick question if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, um, please just having been uh, just for personal reasons in the family and whatnot, like the head injury mm -hmm. thing. And then um, mm -hmm. like I was diagnosed with celiacs before there were really oh. any products to, you know, help augment a diet. You know, if you were going to skip those things When mm -hmm. I look around at the food landscape in general, um, you know, and there's some great research, you know, that these processed packaged foods are quite at the root of some of our Western health problems Mm -hmm. that are very serious. Yeah. And I like, okay, the yoga studio I go to right next to it is a dedicated gluten-free bakery. And I mm -hmm. wouldn't call anything they serve in there a health food, right? It's mm -hmm. great. You can right. get amazing replacements for all kinds of, you know, products, including right. sugar-free mm -hmm. and keto items. Mm -hmm. um, and at the store, you know, it's just, well, the stores I have to shop at, right? So Whole Foods, Sprouts, Trader mm -hmm. Joe's, um, natural grocers kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's just shelf after shelf of what really, if you if you came out of like the 70s, like I did, and my mom had a garden and mm -hmm. we bought, you know, our meat from our friends who had a smaller ranch on Bainbridge Island, like mm. it's a bunch of junk food. Like, so my question is when I walk around and like, buy stuff for my kids and, and all this stuff. I feel mm -hmm. like what's happened with some of these corners of the food world, specialty foods for people who want to eat healthier, who have to eat a certain way, like avoid dairy or avoid gluten mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, they like copycat essentially what Doritos and Cheetos and Oreos and you know, there's just like all these copycat foods. And right. and also just, you know, I worked in food marketing in the yeah. organic and natural space. Um, I have a feeling we had a, a shared client in the soda area. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm, sure. I'm sure. Yeah. So, and, and that's all cool, especially if you're like, for me, it would be more like, oh, it's a special occasion. I might get this kind of product or whatever, but mm -hmm. none of it is health food necessarily. Mm -hmm. So I was curious how, that's how I view it. That's just my opinion, right? I was curious how you view that for, for people who are out there trying to be healthier. How I view it mm -hmm. is uh, shop the outside aisles of the grocery store, because that's where you're going to find fresh produce. That's where you're going to find, uh, you know, animal proteins. And I, if you stay out of the middle aisles, I, I'd say that that's a, that is a good tactic. Um, I aren't your products in the middle aisles though. Well, see, this is here lies the conundrum. 
Uh, I'm a pain. Sorry. (laughs) No, I invited. I invited. I mean, these are all things I think of myself because it's like, do I consume my products? So I've got a line of ketogenic condiments, Um, you know, and I I created those condiments because I couldn't have ketchup or teriyaki sauce or any of those other things because they had too much sugar in them. So I designed them with the macros that I needed. Um, Do I use them every day? Certainly not. I mean, I don't put condiments on everything. I think that the best condiment is hunger. Um, so I, every time that some, I get interviewed, people are like, well, what packaged food should you eat? Like, should you just eat these protein bars, like keto bars? Should you just eat MCT powder? And, you know, and, and I'm like, absolutely not. I mean, I fully believe in, in a whole food diet, you know? And I think that packaged foods are kind of an easy shortcut. I mean, I would say that the closest thing that I come to in, in consuming, um, you know, packaged food would be nut butters. Like I love mm. almond butter and, um, I mean, almond butter is sort of my go-to because peanut butter is an allergen and contains lectins and well, like, frankly, it's not a nut. It's, it's a bean. So, and mm. it's a little carby for me and I don't also eat cat- peanut butter is damn good. <laughs> it, I, I like it, but it's been so long since I've had I it. I would probably butter. taste it and be like, what is this? Um, <laughs> cashews are another thing. So I don't really eat cashews, but I mean, these are, you know, cause they're not really nuts either. So they're the stem from the cashew apple and they, they're, they're like a, a byproduct and it has to be steamed at a particular temperature in order to remove the neurotoxins. Um, so there's a lot of these things. It's like, I think that the more a person can educate themselves, the better. And also do what makes your body feel good. You know, if you're, if you're eating, you know, if your diet consists of having a, you know, having a meal replacement bar in the morning with a cup of coffee and then dinner is, you know, something you get out of a bag, you, you're probably not going to feel great. Um, I think that none of us get enough fiber. Um, I think that that is probably one of the biggest things that affects human beings at this point is just not enough fiber. And it's because we're eating too much stuff out of bags and boxes and, and jars. And I think that if you, if you just eat fresh produce, that it, fresh produce stick to mostly vegetables, stuff that's, you know, this low glycemic and animal proteins that are clean and responsibly harvested, you're going to feel good. And if you feel good, then can keep doing what you're doing, you know, well, to pile on, or I hate to pile say on, pile on, pile but, on. <clears throat> um, bring it. I haven't read the book yet. I know about it. It's one that's kind of in my queue, the Dorito effect. Nice. <laughs> but I know the essential thesis of it. Mm-hmm. Is this happening in the quote alternative food space as well, where foods are being formulated to be addictive, to be, you know, just as addictive as Swanson or any of the other main manufacturers? Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess I, I kind of feel like, is Jenny asking, are health foods actually healthy? No, not at all. I, I think that that I think that there's a lot of health foods that aren't healthy. And when you look at like some of the stuff that, you know, that vegans consume, um, like mm-hmm. Oreo cookies, vegan, Doritos, vegan, I think. No, Oreos aren't vegan. Are you sure? Somebody told Unless, me Ore- Oreos are vegan. That that well, stuff in the middle. Well, you grew up with the Worldwide Church of God, so you should have known that your mom couldn't bring home a product with lard. Oh, I d- and I Oreos didn't know have that, lard. Yeah, I that's don't. That's why I don't think that they. 
I, I can check, but I don't think they contain lard anymore because I saw somebody who I know is a vegan eating an Oreo and I'm like, is that an Oreo? Agreed. So, I th- think they changed to a hydrogenated oil. I, think, they, they I don't know have, when though. But, um, but they were made well, of lard. Well, I grew up, I couldn't have those. I had to have... Same. Um, what was it? The other Hydrox, sunshine. Hydroxy. Hydrox, which Hydrox. are actually better. <laughs> but yeah, they, they were still, made first. So, so yeah, back to the whole thing about like um, whether... Uh, whether health food is really healthy, uh, I think that that definitely not. When you look at anything that's a shortcut, anything that you don't have to actively, you know, touch and feel and cook, you know, and and peel or whatever, you know, anything that that's a shortcut like that, there's always a payoff. I mean, there's always a payment that you're going to make. Like you can't just down a bag of something that's been processed without you know, without there being some sort of additives and whether it's high in carbs, high in sugar, high in sodium, you know, I, I just, you know, I don't, I I don't really buy packaged foods except for nuts. Um, just because it's like, I don't want all the extra crap that's in there. Like if I want kale, I'm going to get kale. And, you know, if I want, you know, like free range chicken breast or grass fed beef, those are the things I'm going to get. So no, I don't, for people that think, oh, this is in the health food aisle, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's healthy. And some of the most un- unhealthy people that I've seen have been vegans, you know, because they're they're really lacking vitamin B12 because our bodies are unable to produce um, vitamin B12. And we have to get it from, you know, from animal proteins that are able to produce it. And so, but I also get that thrown back at me and saying, well, technology, you know, has moved so far that we can take supplements to get our vitamin B12. But what kind of sense does that make? And it's like, why do you want to, why do you want to have to take supplements, you know, for food, you know, for, for uh, vitamins that you could normally get in your food? That's my question. Well, then what are your thoughts? I mean, I haven't seen it yet. I just have been hearing about it all the time. Mm-hmm. The game changers. Mm-hmm. Like the game changers in vitamins it, or, or like plant-based. No, the meat. documentary. Is There's that a the documentary. One, is that the one with um, uh, Arnold so that, Schwarzenegger uh, in it? Yeah, Schwarzenegger. It's a James Cameron's um, film. I've had a lot of people. I've had a lot of people bring that up to me. And I don't really believe that Arnold Schwarzenegger lives is purely like plant-based. And so, and, and I haven't seen the film, but I've had a lot of people engage me with some of the, uh, evidence or, or propaganda that they're pushing in that, that film. And I, I find it to not be true, but I'll put it in my movie queue and watch it tonight. But I just, I don't think that, I think the human body is designed to be an omnivore. I mean, our teeth Mm. are the way we methylate, you know, vitamins. I, I do think that this is, you know, that an omnivore diet is what we are supposed to eat. I think it's important that we eat a lot of vegetables because, you know, I mean, they're so good for us and for, you know, being able to have plenty of fiber in our system to feed our microbiome, um, Mm. is, is good for you. And if you are feeding your microbiome, you know, and you, you have a healthy gut, then you're going to have a lot less, um, a lot less inflammation. So it's just, what do you think about the other end of the game changers? The carnivore people are eating no fiber at all and only eating meat. 
that's a good one. I don't support that. And I go to a lot of keto events and I go to, a, you know, like where I run into these people and a lot of these people are, are colleagues and friends of mine. And I don't support, uh, I don't support a keto carnivore diet. I know people that are on them that believe that they've gotten uh, great results from it, but it's not for me. Like it, the, the idea of only eating ribeyes, um, it turns my stomach. Because it's like, I can't imagine what that does to your, um, you know, to your digestive tract. And I, I don't see any food for, you know, food for the, for your microbiome in that. And, you know, that can lead to your microbiome not having fiber. So it'll start eating the mucosa, the lining of your gut. And that's where you get like leaky gut from. So I, I think that. These thing, these are extremes, you know, like I think being a vegan is sort of extreme. And I also think that being keto carnivore extreme. I mean, I get the principles behind it, but I'm not sure it's, I'm, I'm not sure that it's uh, sustainable. Now help me understand. Um, I relate keto with uh, paleo and I think it's called the banting diet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is I mean, it identical or there's crossover. There's crossover. So, I mean, the paleo is not, I don't believe, as carb restrictive um, as keto. And there's, you know, you can, there's people that I know that are paleo that will, you know, that consume coconut sugar. And coconut sugar isn't, isn't something that, that I would consume. But I think that the keto, the paleo diet has a, a lot more, uh, you know, a lot more carbohydrates in it. And it's about, you know, eating more like, um, you know, we did, you know, 4,000 years ago or 2000 years ago. So, I mean, there's some crossover. Um, I think keto, I mean, keto has been around for a long time. I mean, it was used in ancient Egypt to control seizures. Um, I think that there's some real pluses to keto. I also think that it's important if you do practice a keto lifestyle that you bounce in and out of it. Um, you know, because uh, that was a question too. Was, yeah. Yeah. Do you ever eat rice or do you ever, you know, I don't usually eat rice. I mean, there's times that I'll, that, um, you know, there's times that I'll go off keto, um, for a short period of time because I'm trying to create metabolic flexibility where my body feels comfortable burning both glucose and ketones. Um, and yeah, so uh, particularly around the holidays and particularly when somebody has got a massively big plate of French fries in front of them and they need a little help. <laughs> it's my okay. duty. It's my duty to eat the occasional French fry. Okay. So your body is not in a temple. <laughs> I don't know. Are any of our bodies temples? <laughs> I hope not. Okay. Well, that was, that was actually uh, something I was wondering because mm-hmm. I, I just, tend to look at the different cultures mm-hmm. of the world and say, you know, there are some very healthy people in Kenya. Mm-hmm. There's some very healthy people in Asian cultures mm-hmm. and they eat a whole lot of carbs. They don't eat a lot of meat. Mm-hmm. How, you know, how does that relate? Or they eat a lot more fish and less beef and, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of rice. I mean, rice is all over there. Yeah. And many of them live to be extremely old. Mm hmm. How do so I how, how do is, I explain that? Well, I'm I'm not going to make you explain like you're you're on task, but I'm just saying, is it possible that th- that diet could be culturally appropriate, as Matt J- Fitzgerald talked about in uh, diet cults? I 
I think that, you know, I, I do think that keto is, is a first world thing. You know, it's like we have the luxury to have an abundance of food. Like we just have an abundance mm -hmm. of, of food in the United States. And I mean, we have so much food that 25% of it ends up in the garbage. So, right. I mean, it's not like we live in a, in a food desert. And I know that, you know, there's people in, you know, in, in other countries, you know, that are suffering from malnutrition and the food that we throw away would be a feast for them. Um, yeah, it's shameful. It is shameful. And, and I don't support that. And I mean, you know, when, whenever I eat meat, I always save the bones to make broth and I try to make it go as far as I can. But I would say that keto, I would say practicing keto as a lifestyle is a first world, a first world sort of opportunity for us. If you're living in and a, go ahead. Even more than first world, uh, almost a U.S. Um, yeah. Especially because I think about it in, Italy, mm -hmm. they managed to eat pretty well. And again, mm -hmm. they're very culturally within their own thing. Like mm -hmm. during this season, they eat this thing. During that season, they eat that thing. Mm -hmm. And you don't go get Indian food in um, Italy as much. Right. Or and in France, they eat French food. I, I'm just saying that we kind of, I guess our abundance, my theory is our abundance here is the problem because we can mm -hmm. eat the worst of everybody's food. Right. Yeah, I agree with you that abundance is a problem. And I would also say a lack of gratitude for what we have. You know, like when you see people not finishing their plates and you see the amount of food that's thrown away, when you feel, see people turning their nose up at something because, oh, I don't eat that. And I mean, we, we do live in a, an extremely abundant, uh, prosperous, you know, country. And is, you know, if you look at, well, I'm only going to do keto. If you look at ad ad adopting a keto lifestyle and I mean, yeah, it's, it's pretty centralized to the United States. It's starting to spread to other countries. It depends on how you're using keto. Like if you're using hmm. keto to lose weight, that's, that's one way to lose weight. Okay. If you're using it as a lifestyle to increase vitality and brain function, that's altogether, you know, and I think another, uh, a path. I personally lost some weight from it, but I mean, I lost 35 pounds. There's people that I see in my, you know, my social media feeds that have lost 235 pounds and mm -hmm. using keto. But I, I try to practice intermittent fasting, you know, um, because I like the effects of, of autophagy, you know, my body purging cells that are no longer, uh, functioning at a hundred percent. I like the, the, I, I like the energy that I get from it when my body's burning ketones. I don't, I don't require caffeine in the afternoon and I require a lot less caffeine across the board. So there's, there's things that there's, there's effects that the ketogenic diet, you know, bring to my life that doesn't really have anything to do, you know, to do with weight loss or even maintaining weight for that reason. It's more about, how my body feels, um, you know, when I'm in, when I'm in a state of nutritional ketosis, it's not going to be the same for everybody, you know, and I'm not that person who says everybody in the world should be keto. I think everybody in the world should probably, well, everybody in the United States should probably eat a little less meat, a little more vegetables, you know, mm. and stay out of the processed food aisle. That makes, makes a lot of sense. And you're saying that it's not unheard of that you might go do keto for a couple of months and then just try to eat a healthy square diet and then go back and forth in and out. I think that's important to do. You know, I don't, I'm not sure if you, um, 
I'm not sure if you do keto constantly and you keep yourself in a state of keto. I don't, I'm not a hundred percent convinced that that's good for you. If you were trying to, uh, if you're trying to manage some sort of an, uh, you know, neurodegenerative situation, I would say then mm. definitely use that as a modality to be able to manage something like that. Like, you know, like epilepsy or something or brain injuries, right. like, you know, Josh Perry, a friend of mine has had four or five, um, brain tumors and he has been able to, um, control those tumors using keto. So as a modality mm, okay. to be able to, you know, to, uh, you know, retard, um, uh, tumor growth or to combat some sort of a, a neurodegenerative situation, I think it's an excellent modality. Do I suggest that somebody do it 24 seven, 365? I don't because you'll get your body will, will only function well with with eating with e eating foods that are high in fat where you're in in ketosis then if you if you just do it for say four or five years straight and you never go off the wagon <clears throat> when you do end up having carbs you're going to put on a ton of water weight your body is going to it's it's going to it's going to have to work at being carb adapted just like it did when it became fat mm. adapted so if you're fat adapted and you go back to carbs, your body's going to have to work that much harder to burn the carbs. And, you know, so I think that bouncing in and out of it is probably smart. It, it does promote metabolic flexibility and, you know, and, and I think that it's just, it's, it's basically good for you, but I wouldn't say go on a, you know, go on a, a, a one month, uh, reprieve with, uh, right. Pepsi and donuts. Right. You're not saying go binge. Don't go That's binge. I, I would say just and say, yeah, just a be quality balanced. diet. Yeah, you want to add sweet potatoes. You want to add some brown rice. You know, I mean, you know, why well, not? Metabolic flexibility is normal for a healthy mm -hmm. human. Yes, you should be able to bounce in and out of being exposed to and eating whatever carbohydrates are in your environment. Mm -hmm. So, in my environment, that would be saguaro fruit, prickly mm -hmm. pear, mm -hmm. yucca fruit. You know, oh. mm -hmm. all the good stuff that's here. Um, yeah. And then really. sleeping at night, if you're healthy, <laughs> you should go into ketosis if, if your liver's mm -hmm. healthy, if you're healthy. Um, mm -hmm. Just dialing back a little bit in a little bit bigger picture. So you're talking about this abundance in the Western world, in the Western culture. And that personally, here's my take. Nutritional ketosis or the first few weeks on a vegan diet or anything else extreme like that, I think works for Western people because we're much sicker than we think we are. Mm. That is what my research into um, brain function taught me, um, that these extreme things work because we're extremely mismatched to our environment. And I don't think my, many of us think about that. Um, or consider, I mean, you're, you're only alive for however many years you're alive for, right? You're born into this situation, this culture, everybody's doing this stuff that it should be all fine, right? According to our evolution and where we came from, you were born, the people around you taught you what to eat, what not to eat, what to do, when to sleep, how to get away from predators, and that all worked in that mm -hmm. environment. And we're born into a much more chaotic environment that has a ton of mismatches, not just food. There's so many things outside of food that are powerful, powerful impact from artificial light to the stress levels. Like, for instance, you were saying something so interesting to me as a modern person. I don't require caffeine 
in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Well, if everyone wasn't trying to maximize their brain every day, no mm-hmm. one would require that. They would take a break and a rest. Mm-hmm. And no, in no. few cultures, it's still <laughs> it's still there in the culture to take a break, right? Mm-hmm. But our culture in particular, and like when we traveled, um, we took our younger two boys and, and traveled through uh, you know, Turkey and mm-hmm. Italy and Spain. And it was fascinating, fascinating, just on the cultural level, because we know that some of the biggest health impacts are your social network, how alone you feel you are or not. Mm. And it's much easier to walk around being like, I can control my diet, but I can't make people love me and find somebody to lean on. But that is having a much bigger impact than what you're eating. Um, That you're eating a perfect keto diet, but you stay up to one in the morning binging on Netflix. You're still mm-hmm. not going to be that healthy. <laughs> I don't care. Oh, you yeah. know, you're going to have to. Don't binge on Tom's movie, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> don't binge. Don't do no, it. No. Don't do it. <laughs> um, so I was just thinking, you know, these broader things are that we're so mismatched and we don't know where. And honestly, my personal thing is that we have back to diet cults. We have all these extreme food tribalism because it's something mm-hmm. we feel like we can control. And mm-hmm. the rest of it feels too big, especially if you start to dig in mm-hmm. and educate yourself. It becomes very overwhelming even if you're well-educated and quite bright, you still will end up confused about what to do, what, what seems right. Mm-hmm. I mean, shoot, Game Changers sounds pretty damn good, not going to mm-hmm. lie. It's full of lies, but it right. sounds good. It's packaged nicely. James mm-hmm. Cameron invested a lot of money in a pea protein company, and he's got to sell that stuff mm-hmm. to somebody. You know, So I was just thinking right. on a, <laughs> a bigger level. So we did an experiment. I'm just going to throw this out there as a family. Um, Eric knows we're weird, so we do odd stuff. Uh, We built a a portable sort of pop-up, very, very fancy, cool-looking, glam camping kind of setup. So these canvas home that we could pop up. And for four months straight, uh, us and our two younger boys lived in that. So we essentially lived outside as modern people um, 24-7 all the time. And Mm -hmm. that had to do with the brain injury recovery. Um. A young kid who's apparently healthy should recover from minor concussions pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But my son did not. And that didn't make any damn sense to me. And it sent me off in this, like, talk about a rabbit hole tangent. <laughs> like, yeah. Way down there. I'm pull it back soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm getting more balanced now. But um, what was fascinating is he was in a, he was gifted. He was scholarship to a wilderness camp. And when he would go out mm-hmm. all day, the wilderness camp, he really didn't have any or many symptoms. He would come home and he had symptoms. So that's when I started being like, what is mismatched in his environment? His, his brain wants to be healthy. His body knows how to heal. What's going on? So we started switching out the lights at night so everything was amber. Everybody going to sleep when it's dark. Um, a hmm. Killing screen time. Screen time didn't really exist. And we ended up with this temporary, interesting camping experiment. Um, almost no symptoms. I was eating keto with him when mm-hmm. we were living in our home, and that helped a lot with the the brain injury symptoms. I mean, so much. Mm-hmm. I did it with him because he was a kid. You know, you needed sure. like a food partner, you know? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> we went outside, and I noticed over the weeks, I just started automatically, we were all sleeping better. His He had no symptoms, zero. Mm-hmm. Um, but then our food cravings and feelings changed, and we were mm-hmm. automatically adding more sweet potato. They're all food, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but those things back. So we weren't in keto anymore, but still mm-hmm. feeling great, feeling better than we were before. 
Mm-hmm. And so what I learned in that experiment with us, and again, it's just him, right? It's one, mm-hmm. one person. I don't know how this would apply to everybody. But I found it fascinating. Um, moved back into a house, had to clean up the diet more to get the same effect. Mm-hmm. So there was something to the design of not living with circadian rhythms, having more mm-hmm. artificial light, having more screen time available that had mm-hmm. huge impacts on him as a person, particularly, but on everybody. And I definitely learned so much from that about the multifactorial thing that it is to be human. That you're not going to bring it down. Everybody wants to bring it down to one factor because it feels great, feels awesome mm-hmm. yeah. to have the one factor. But Okay, so we're not going to boil the ocean today. Right. But <laughs> to wrap things up. Uh-huh. Uh, really? We got to do it. Oh, my God. This has been like the best. <laughs> it so has. The big takeaway yes. is to um, be aware of what you're eating, no matter what it is, and be aware of your environment and how you're living. Would that be fair? I I'm 100 percent on board with that, and I also think self acceptance. That's actually fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Now, where can everybody find you, Tom? Me. Well, if you go to guygonketo.com, you can find me there. Um, you can find me on all the socials at guygonketo. Um, I invite people to reach out to me, direct message me. I'll answer all their questions. Um, I'm pretty honest about stuff. So, you know, Fantastic. maybe blunt. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I know. I like this. This has been the best. It's like, wow, this is like, you know, <laughs> we're sitting in somebody's living room and having a really nice fun conversation it's exactly what unstructured is about i love I, that i love it this is the best this is absolutely the best <laughs> and where can they find you jenny oh well i actually am just a mom of four kids and work a full-time job as um, a health coach and a manager of health coaches um but i also have a book and a podcast i don't record actively anymore but if you want to know how to help your brain injury, you can definitely listen to the Primal Brain podcast. Hmm. And I have a book of the same name, The Primal Brain Solution. And everything is at um, theprimalbrain.com. Awesome. Fantastic. And hey, thank you guys both for coming on. Thank you. This is fantastic. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, please consider subscribing for free. And I mean for free. It is always free. There's no billing, anything else. You can subscribe in your player of choice, which is probably right in your hands. Or you can go to unstructuredpod.com. And there are plenty of links there. Thank you so much. And in the spirit of sharing, here's a couple more shows you may want to check out. I did not grow up with very much money. Money's energy. Money is something that that really scares me. You had about 60 grand in debt. Money isn't the answer. Somebody should just give me a lot of money. My dream was to be the WWE wrestler, but you realize that your dreams change over the years. Money is a tool. It's a key to a gate. And at the other side of the gate is the things that you really want to do with your life. It's the things that matter most to you. It's pursuing those values that make you ultimately happy. Listen to Inspired Money at inspiredmoney.fm. Hey, I'm Studio Steve. And I'm Veronica. And we we are are the the podcast. We have a podcast all about podcasting. We cover everything related to the craft. 
how to start a podcast, how to improve a podcast, how to promote a podcast, and how to reach a bigger audience. So come check out our podcast, Pod Sound School. We're on all of the podcast players or on our website, podsoundschool.com. We are dedicated to provide our podskis with up-to-date, easy, and actionable information, sometimes outrageous and always fun. And now, back to your regularly scheduled programming.